BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring our program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, and today's Ben Jarofsky show, as well as every Ben Jarofsky show, is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Isn't that right, Bob Diver? We got to get down to business. (laughs) I got Bob Diver on my mind today. We'll get into that later. You too? Yeah, I've been thinking about... mm -hmm. Bobby D? Bobby D. We got to get him back Uh, on the show. Yes, we do. Absolutely. I'm headed downstate this weekend. Maybe I'll, uh, you know, head over uh, to Marine, Illinois and see what he's up to. Knock and on also say hello, say hello to uh, Dr. Pamela. We got a lot of friends down in the Alton area. Yeah, you know? yeah. Dr. Pamela, the uh, Medicare for All doctor, good doctor. He's like good never. Doctor. I don't think he's ever seen my face, Bob Diver. I'm just gonna go to his house. Hey, Bob, what's up, dude? <laughs> it's me, Dennis. Huh? Uh, make sure you're wearing a mask. Bob's one of the people downstate who wears masks. Okay. Yes, because there's only one. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show. Let's go here. We have a song of the day request. It's from Frank, as always. Uh, he had one song of the day. Then he said, no, no, never mind. I'm changing my song of the day. That's the first time he's done that. Uh, both Rolling Stones songs, but the song that he wants you to sing, Ruby Tuesday by the Rolling Stones. <clears throat> Hold on. Hold on. Is there a restaurant called Ruby Tuesdays? That's uh, Yeah, that's correct. Thank you, sir. Goodbye, Ruby. T- that's Charlie Watson drums. No, that's Ben Jarofsky with uh, vocal drums, but no. <laughs> Who could hang a name on you? I like the Rolling Stones. Oh, God. <laughs> the ben what was the other one? What the other one was? Uh, start me up. Tell me up. Do, 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 do. Woo, yeah. <laughs> All right. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts up right now. It is Friday, October 9th. And live from my apartment in his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Romano Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor, Romana Hussein. And now your host, oh God, he is no Rolling Stone. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here calling this Stem Cell Donnie Friday. And here's why. Well, folks, on top of all his other problems, starting and ending with COVID, Donnie Trump has a new problem. He has a dilemma. Which promise does he break first? Now I know what you're thinking, everybody. I can read your mind. You're thinking Trump never keeps his promises anyway. So what else is new? That's an excellent point. Thank you for sharing. Now let me continue. 
Uh, actually, Donald Trump in this particular case has made two sets of promises. As you recall, when he got the virus, he was sent to Walter Reed Hospital where he was spoon fed huge dosages of various drugs. We don't even know what they gave him. They were just like shoving drugs into the guy. Here, take this. Give me it all, doc. Everything you got. <laughs> Trump. You know, Mr. Tough Guy at the end panicked. Just give me what you got. I don't care if it's approved. I don't care if it's experimental. Just shoot me up. So they gave him an antiviral drug called Remdesivir. And afterwards, he said he felt much better. And he made a video and showed him signing a piece of paper. Remember that day? Or he had Mm -hmm. a pen in his hand and he was like, I'm working hard. Turns out he was just signing his name. Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump. Sometimes he would reverse it. J. Donald Trump. Trump Donald J. I'm having fun as I lose my mind here in the hospital as they feed me all these drugs. I don't even know what I'm taking. I'm going crazy. Then he forced the Secret Service agents to drive him out to visit the nutcase. I'm sorry. I apologize for that editorial slip. I mean, Trump enthusiasts. There you go. Come on. (laughs) Who had gathered outside the hospital to wish him well. And to show his appreciation to them for gathering out the hospital, he fed them pizzas, as we discovered the other day. I believe it was soggy sausage dosed with COVID. (laughs) Although I've since learned that the source of the information on the pizzas was, in fact, a call in from some MAGA lover to the Alex Jones show. And I'm not saying who told me this. Hey, guys, it was me. (laughs) Incredible source. So, you know, we have higher standards at the Ben Jarofsky show than Donald Trump. And we just don't pass on any information we hear from some guy on the Alex Jones show. So I'm everybody, this, we're under, if this was like, um, what's that one, the, the BGA, uh, Cepeda, the column she does where she analyzes what politicians say and if they're accurate or not, we'd have liar, liar, pants on fire. Oh, yeah, and then like mostly false. <laughs> this would be more like mostly false. I don't know. I mean, do you believe anything you hear on the Alex Jones show? I kind of like believe that Trump, well, no. Trump did not send the pizzas. He did not pay for the pizzas, but I believe pizzas were sent. I mean, I saw a video with a dude with a pizza in his hand, and he said, Donald Trump gave us these pizzas. (laughs) Well, like I said, it was on Alex Jones' show, so it must be true, and I will now do, I will unveil my imitation of Alex Jones, which is really my imitation of Dennis imitating Alex Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got the documents! Mm, Needs a little work. (laughs) I know, you're right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the documents. There is pizza down there at that Trump rally, and I want a piece of that pizza. They have anchovies. Globalists. And damn you, China. (laughs) What was the one about his neighbor? I'm going to eat my neighbor's ass. I'm going to eat his ass. I'm going to eat his ass. Alex Jones, man. Got more listeners than I do. So, So, you know, just saying, D. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So Donald Trump, feeling better from all those drugs they were pumping into his body, uh, left Walter Reed, stood on the White House uh, balcony at the White House, whipped off his mask and said, I am cured. I beat COVID. I am Superman or I am kryptonite and COVID is Superman or something like that. And he said it was the miracle drugs that they fed him that cured him. And he said, there's no reason to fear COVID because you, too, can take those miracle drugs. And then he made a promise. He says, what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to get the government to make a huge, huge bath of it. 
like oceans and oceans of it. And I will give it to everyone with COVID. Even if you don't have COVID, I'll give it to you. You can put it on your pizzas. It goes great with sausage, by the way. And it will be free. Free, I tell you. It will cost you as much as I pay in federal taxes, which is nothing. You know, I thought about this when I heard this, Steve, because I was not sure how the government's going to be able to pay for all that antivirus drugs uh, if rich guys like Donald Trump aren't paying their taxes. But I decided not to worry. As Donald Trump would say, don't worry your little MAGA brains on that. Just trust whatever I say. By the way, would you like a Trump steak? Anyway, so we promised to give the antiviral drug to anybody who wants it, said it would be free, said the government would uh, pay for it. And then the story broke yesterday Ooh, that the antiviral drug he's promised to give away was developed using human cells derived from a fetus aborted decades ago. Yes, a fetus aborted decades ago. Actually, fetuses aborted decades ago. And Trump had already promised the anti-abortion crowd, which, as you all know, is a sizable segment of MAGA, that he would never, ever, ever condone, condone the use of fetal cells for medicinal cures, even if they cured horrible diseases that are threatening the entire country. That's because the anti-abortion crowd doesn't want anyone to think that there's ever a compelling reason for a woman to ask for an abortion. Either she's raped. So here's the dilemma, ladies and gentlemen. How can Donald Trump give away oceans and oceans of an antiviral drug if it's made from human cells derived from aborted fetuses? One way or another, he's breaking a promise. His solution? Bring in the lawyers. The newspaper reporters found the one guy in the White House still not infected with the virus to comment. Whoever it was, I didn't want his or her name associated. Uh, a spokesperson for the White House who asked not to be identified because did not want to look like the lunatic that everybody else is in the White House, offered this important distinction. And the reason I say it's lawyer-like, because it's like one of those Supreme Court decisions that these right-wingers make in order to justify what they wanted to do in the first place. So they concoct some whacked-out, half-baked, makes sense if you're really high decision. And here it is. Donald, promise, Donald Trump promised that he would not use human cells derived from abortive fetuses after June 2019. So it's okay to use them if they were derived before June 2019. So it's okay to use fetuses that were aborted before June 2019, but not after. Got that? I don't get it, but you know what? I'm not in MAGA. MAGA's like, ugh. Sounds good to me, if you say so, Donnie. <laughs> Pass me the pizza and put some of that antivirus junk on it. We got a great show today, everybody. Ramana Hussein, maybe. Sorry. A great ethicist, Ramana Hussein. Maybe she can help me understand the distinction here that Donald Trump and his lawyers, the greatest minds MAGA can come up with, figured out to justify using this drug. Maybe she can help me do that, among other things. I'm definitely going to ask her about Kamala's performance uh, in the debate and other issues of the day. But before we bring on Ramana Hussein, the young man from Alton, the man who is widely known throughout the state of Illinois as Dr. D, with the news. Hey, guys. How's it going? Happy Friday. Ben? Bottle? <laughs> 
Thank you. <laughs> Gets me every time, ladies and gentlemen. Love the bottle. All right, we can. Mm. That can be twisted in several ways. I love the bottle. All right, before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois for the third and final time this week, Ben, we need to remind all of our listeners to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Yes, every Saturday, Sunday, and Monday at 5 a.m., a brand new Benny J bonus interview for you. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Uh, let's run through the lineup this weekend. On Saturday, it's another cannabis conversation with the Chicago Reader's Lisa Solomon Mann and our guest, Michael Malcolm. Ben, you and you really enjoyed this interview, didn't you? Michael Malcolm's a lot of fun to talk. She's going to be a regular on the show. Uh, we, so we, we, we started talking about uh, the rollout in Illinois of licenses that were supposed to, uh, I don't know, uh, put people at the top of the list uh, who had suffered from the war on drugs or whose communities had suffered. And now we turned out it's like a bunch of rich white guys. So talked about that. But then we went into politics and he went on some great riffs about Trump and COVID uh, and Trump's response to COVID. So it, it's a wide ranging interview uh, with Michael Malcolm. Do you have to say something, though? OK, I have to, since you mentioned this. I think I told you this before the show. I can't remember anymore what I told. I've talked to so many people so many times. I can't remember what I've said to who and who I said it to. So I apologize to you right now if I hadn't said this to you already. But when I woke up this morning at the ungodly early hour of nine o'clock, I, <laughs> I thought it was Saturday. I don't know, man. It's like everything that's been going on must have caught up to me. And I thought today was Saturday. I was like, oh, it's Saturday. I can sleep in even later than usual because I don't have a show to do. You know, just sit back, chill out, sleep late, go downstairs, read the paper, call friends up and talk about sports. You know, Saturday, right? Yeah. And then I said, well, you know what's really curious? I go uh, go see uh, make see how the uh, the downloaded Saturday uh, bonus segment is doing. So I go to our site. There's nothing there, there, there. I'm like, oh, no, it's Saturday. We forgot to download the bonus interviews. God, I hate working with that hillbilly. He keeps messing up. <laughs> did, not, did not think that, did not say that, but I was all set to text Dennis. D. And then I had this vision Saturday. Dennis is out bike riding. He's probably close to the Wisconsin border. You know, he's got the... Uh, his sleeveless T-shirt on. He's listening to Fog Hat on his headphones. So, happily biking to Wisconsin. He's like nowhere near to put to download. Oh, what am I gonna do? And then it hit me. It's Friday. Not even Saturday. I tell you what, D, that was like a Twilight Zone thing. I think it's all the drugs that are out there in the air that Trump's been taking. Somehow, it's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault that 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 happened. Of course. Can we just say this right now? Absolutely everything wrong with society is Donald John Trump's fault. Okay. The problem is when he's defeated and we still have problems, can I still blame them on Donald John Trump? Ugh, that's an ethical. Well, hey, Trump's still blaming everything on Obama. If he can do it, I can do it, right, D? There we go. All right. Smash the bottle. I'm happy. <laughs> anyway, happy to say 
I figured it out before I really embarrassed myself and sending a text to Dennis who would be like, uh, Ben, um, it is Friday, not Saturday. Great story. All right. Uh, so <laughs> I thought it was great. I told my wife the same story. She's like, oh, that's nice, honey. Gotta go to work. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if you have anything, uh, any ideas for your next column, but I think that may be it, pal. That was such a riveting story. But that was that's our Saturday bonus interview, uh, a cannabis conversation with Lisa Solomon Mann and our guest, Michael Malcolm. Once again, that'll be available by 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. On- Actually, I don't know if that'll be the Saturday bonus. Well, I put it in the script. Can we just do that? Oh, okay. Sorry, man. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that interruption. That is the Saturday bonus, right? Uh, on to Sunday. Sunday's bonus is a mystery guest. Yeah. So much of a mystery guest, we don't even know who it is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's just say it's a mystery and leave it at that. <laughs> Find out who it is when you go to the uh, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts on Sunday morning. Like I said, we by the end of the show, we may know who it is, but right now, it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a mystery to me. I can tell you that right now, D. Someone canceled on us, but okay. And finally, our Monday Benny J bonus interview. It is the long-awaited return. She's going to be talking all things the presidential election Delmarie Cobb, political strategist, returns. Ben, you looking yes. forward to that interview or what? Absolutely. That's later today. But Delmarie's already also said that she wants to talk some Chicago politics. She's got a few things to say about one Mayor Lori Lightfoot. So I cannot wait to hear what Delmarie uh, has to say. Uh, so this, you know, that I'm really looking forward to that one. And I'm really looking forward to the mystery interview. Yeah. Who could it be? Who could it be? We have no clue, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll know by the time we drop it, that's for sure. It may be me. Hey, Ben, what's up? We couldn't find anybody. Oh, yeah, we'll tell you. Uh, it's I just- want to talk to you about wrestling. Maybe we'll do that famous wrestling one, huh? Oh. No more ducking and dodging. Right, okay. It's this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning by 5 a.m. at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Okay, local news. Let's do it. Heads up, guys. A lot of pandemic talk coming up, all right? Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. And a small problem occurred for the governor about a week and a half back. One of his staffers tested positive for the coronavirus, and he is, in fact, not letting this small problem sit. The governor is still cooped up in one of his gigantic mansions and is currently quarantining to prevent a potential spread of the virus. So once again, we have no Friday public event scheduled for Governor Pritzker. Now, I'd imagine that the governor is getting a little stir crazy or maybe not. Maybe not. Dude's really rich. He can afford any and everything to keep him occupied. In fact, rumor has it that the governor bought a karaoke machine and he's been singing (laughs) Steve Miller Band and Eagle songs all throughout the east wing of his mansion. I get (laughs) Now, I've yet to confirm if this uh, story is true or not. So, Ben Jarofsky, just in case you've been pinned up at your home and in that attic since March, any advice you can lend to the governor to help pass the time? 
Well, I've spent a lot of the time of watching uh, old YouTube clips of the Johnny Carson show. Okay. And uh, I really, you know, I think two hours could pass with me watching YouTube clips from the old Johnny Carson. You, did you ever watch YouTube clips of the Johnny Carson show? It was on before yeah. you were born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen like Rodney and, Dangerfield on there. Yes. I've seen uh, quite a bit. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, I can, I never tire of Rodney Dangerfield. I go watch Robin Williams uh, making his uh, debut, Richard Pryor. Uh, watch Richard Pryor and I probably should admit this. I watch a lot of Bill Cosby. I was a huge Bill Cosby fan back in the 60s and the 70s. I did not realize. I let it that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what can I tell you? Uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I would urge him. I'm doing a lot of that lately, D, watching. And then, uh, of course, Dennis has been sending me wrestling clips, uh, which I, I find so profound because I really got to understand Donald Trump by watching these wrestling clips. And I urge absolutely everyone in America to watch them so that you could understand the man that you elected uh, as the uh, president of the United States and where where his worldview uh, is comes from and, and how his, like his genius for communicating uh, comes from wrestling scripts. People fell for it. They fell for it with wrestling. So the country fell forward as a whole. So, yes. D, that's my advice uh, to Governor Pritzker. Just sort of anesthetize yourself to all the troubles of the world by looking back. Like the times were better back then. Go back in time. Certainly, this is really an insane time right now with Donald Trump threatening uh, to emerge from the White House, do more campaigning this weekend in Florida. God help Florida. Florida's just as bad. They're talking about oh, opening up a football game to like a full crowd of people. I mean, uh, D, this country has freaking lost its mind. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, so anyway, uh, JB, put the time to good use. Watch you watch some old jo- Johnny Carson videos <laughs> on YouTube and listen to the Eagles if that's what gets you through it. You know, just another tequila sunrise. Okay. There you go. So, JB, uh, go binge watch some YouTube. Check out Johnny Carson. Maybe check out some Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, and, you know, maybe check out this little show called InfoWars. I don't know. Go check it out. See what it's all about. <laughs> and tell us if you think uh, Donald Trump really delivered the pizzas uh, to those guys. I'm a little skeptical about that. I don't think I don't, somebody brought a pizza. I don't know if it was Donald Trump. Best concert? Yeah, Steve Miller Band and the Eagles. Loves those bands. All right, Pritzker was able to tear himself away from the karaoke for a brief minute to announce this good piece of news. Starting today at 5 p.m., for some reason, Metro East Illinois is back to phase four. Governor Pritzker and the Illinois Department of Public Health are announcing that Region 4, the Metro East, will return to phase four of J.B. Pritzker's five-phase strategy to safely restore Illinois. Let's begin with phase one. No, we're not doing that, J.B. We're not going... (laughs) Back to phase one. Like I said, it will begin today, October 9th, 2020 at 5 p.m. And while the rate of testing in Region 4 has remained relatively stable, the rolling average positivity rate in the region has fallen from a high of 10.5% on August 27th to a rate of 5.8% today. The rollback is a result of close coordination between IDPH, local health departments, and community leaders encouraging proven and targeted mitigation efforts. And although there are more than likely people lined up at every Metro East bar and restaurant as we speak, ready to get in there, guys, I'm from there. I've seen it with my own hillbilly eyes. Way to go, Metro East Illinois. 
Uh, yes, and just in time for you to go home yeah. this weekend. Dude. Yeah. You'll be the only person in Metro East wearing a mask. Uh, not true. Uh, uh, and uh, we just uh, stay safe, stay sound, okay? Uh, and actually, uh, I have, like, all kidding aside about J.P. Pritzker, since the news broke about uh, the six, oh, God, uh, I don't want to call them MAGA hat wearers. They are militiamen uh, in Michigan accused of trying to set a plot to kidnap the governor there uh, and uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer and to start a civil war. I actually kind of was worried about J.B. Pritzker. You know, um, we have our own, uh, what, what do I call them? I, I don't, I don't want to do what Trump does. You get what I'm saying? Uh, at the same time, it sure seems as though uh, Trump's rhetoric has fed the far right. Uh, and uh, given it like a reason to believe that people in powerful places uh, support them and are sending them messages to keep them going. But I'm really concerned that like some militia style people, some folks who in their mind think they're doing a crusade for liberty, uh, will take the law into their own hands in Illinois like these gentlemen allegedly did uh, Michigan with their plot uh, to kidnap uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. So I actually did worry about J.B. Pritzker in this one because J.B. Pritzker is the symbol in the state of Illinois for the battle against the virus. Uh, the, he's the symbol. He's the person who ordered the stay-at-home rules and where the, the mask rules and put us in all these different phases uh, that we have a lot of fun talking about. And uh, he's the person who just symbolized just like a government coming together to sort of protect uh, its citizens from the disease, which in the minds of many people has gov- become government overextending its authority and its legitimate power uh, to create a tyranny to take away their rights. Now, it's interesting they don't have that same attitude, like when government orders you to go through a metal detector at an airport. Somehow or other, that's not a loss of liberty. Although I do have friends of the far libertarian persuasion who have made that argument to me in the past that we've lost far too much of our freedoms, uh, post, particularly post 9-11. And I remember uh, uh, leftists, it was leftists who said that the government had gone too far in the Bush days uh, in terms of uh, reading emails or uh, cracking down our civil liberties. And it was the right that said, no, this was justified. We were under siege. It was a war. We had to do this. So it's interesting how things have flip-flopped uh, in, in 20 years. But uh, even no, no leftist I know ever talked about insurrection against the government and uh, kidnapping someone and trying to uh, create a civil war. So, D., I actually worried about J.B. Pritzker because you know this as well as anybody because you've you've gone downstate since the pandemic and you've seen the signs, the Pritzker sucks signs uh, that people have on their lawns. And, and so you have a sense of the, uh, the sort of the anger toward Pritzker. In fact, I remember uh, in the early days of the when the virus was first breaking, you would show me the uh, Facebook posts. Uh, that people had a lot of some of it was borderline funny, but it was a lot of hostility toward J.B. Pritzker. So I worry about uh, J.B. Pritzker. I think he's done a good job, basically stumbled out of the gates. 
but what he's been up against in this state in terms of the pressure from the right is nothing like Lori Lightfoot has faced in Chicago. So uh, I think that uh, he's been dodging a lot of obstacles. So I worry about him. I hope he stays safe. And uh, we, you know, uh, we kid, we tease old J.B. Pritzker. But he has taken a strong stand. And as a result, uh, in this day and age, that could leave him vulnerable to attack. So all the best to you, Governor Pritzker. Much like the Metro East, DeKalb County has had its struggles since the pandemic. And also much like the Metro East, officials and business owners in DeKalb County have tried suing the governor because of said five-phase strategy rules and mitigations. A DeKalb County judge has again denied an appeal by local restaurant and bar owners to end the prohibition on indoor dining, citing Governor J.B. Pritzker's authority during a public health crisis. DeKalb County Circuit Court Judge Bradley Waller ruled Friday on a second attempt by 10 local business owners to stay the governor's uh, to stay the governor's order amid COVID-19 resurgence cases in region one designated by the Illinois Department of Public Health. We have a quote from Waller. Waller said, quote, the reality is it is what it is. This statute gives the governor uh, the statute gives the governor the authority to do what he's doing. Whether you agree or not, he has authority for purposes of preserving public health, safety and welfare. Yeah. Uh, by the way, there was an interesting article on this very subject D, uh, that ran in the Sun-Times Day, an essay by Jacob Sullum, uh, who is a libertarian. Uh, and as a such, he was making the argument uh, against governors like Pritzker, uh, who overreached their authority, he argues. And then he much of the article, this was clearly written before the story broke about the, the six militiamen. Uh, who were charged in a plot to kidnap uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Much of this uh, essay uh, criticizes uh, Gretchen Whitmer. The uh, governor of Michigan says she overextended her her authority. Again, from the moment that it was apparent that the coronavirus was a threat, any semblance of bipartisan cooperation went out the window. That's the situation we're facing as a country. That question, that question at the vice presidential debate that the eighth grader uh, wrote and offered up, I can't remember her name, uh, to uh, Pence and uh, Kamala Harris. But why can't we all get together? You know, it, it, it's a valid question to ask in the, in the face of this pandemic. I've seen no attempt whatsoever from Republicans in states with Democratic governors to work with the Democratic governor. And we even have situations in states with Republican governors where Republican legislators are pushing that governor away from enacting uh, safety measures and precautions. So we have a country is really split on this issue. So then you get to the notion of, well, does a governor have the authority to uh, act unilaterally to protect us? As the governor said, that's why they're doing it, to protect us. Or do they need the cooperation, the authority and the sanctioning of other by a legislative authority. Well, if the legislative authority is not going to do anything to protect us, then we're screwed. So that's the argument. That's where we're sitting at. That's, that's where we're, that's what we're facing right now. And I believe there's a legitimate legal argument that can be advanced by the Jacob Sullins of the world. But in terms of questioning the authority governor has, but I see no attempt whatsoever by Republican legislators to act responsibly. We gave Jim Durkin 
a standing ovation in the show. Jim Durkin, the minority leader in the, of the Republican Party, the leader of the Republican Party uh, in the state of Illinois. We gave him a standing ovation on the Ben Jarofsky show because, A, he wore a mask. Unlike Darren Bailey, he wouldn't wear a mask when uh, the legislature uh, reconvened. And also, he criticized some of the extremists who showed up at anti-mask rallies with their signs, with their Nazi slogans, et cetera, and so forth. So it's really difficult for the Gretchen Whitmers of the world and the Tony Evers of the world and the J.B. Pritzkers of the world uh, to work with the legislators if the legislators don't even acknowledge that this is a real threat. And so I, I, it, it's a quandary. If we don't have a government, it's just the same thing that's happening in Washington right now. Donald Trump wants the checks to go out, some checks to go out so he can say, I brought you checks. But at the same time, I don't, it's this notion that it's the first step towards socialism. If you give people some kind of benefits, I mean, Republicans are motivated by these strong, fervent ideological beliefs that keep them locked in place from helping people. So nothing gets done. And uh, so I, I really don't I don't know the answer to this. If the Republicans won't work with the Pritzkers of the world, what the what are the Pritzkers of the world supposed to do? Anyway, it was uh, I think Jacob Salem's column made a lot of sense, but the timing was a little bad day because he was very critical of Whitmer. And uh, at the very time that this, these headlines talk about extremists who take the Jacob Salem art, uh, argument to the the extremes and talk about kidnapping her as a first step toward liberating uh, Michigan. As I like to point out, of course, everybody's pointing this out. We'll be talking about this, Romana. Uh, Donald Trump did send out that tweet, liberate Michigan. So uh, yeah, these are some of the problems that governors like J.B. Pritzker are confronting. Shout out to Jim on the live stream chat. Jim took a recent trip to Michigan and he said, Ben, you should have seen all of the hate signs for Governor Whitmer up in Michigan in the rural areas. They were everywhere right along with the Trump Pence signs. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not surprised, uh, Jim. And uh, like I said, we have those same signs here in Illinois targeting uh, J.B. Pritzker. Never quite seen anything like this where a country's facing a crisis uh, and there's such division over the response to the crisis uh, and the lines are being drawn and the, you know, the sentiments uh, are pretty consistent on the part of the anti-mask crowd along the lines of, well, I, I don't believe the virus is as bad as you say it is. Democrats, uh, I believe it only threatens old people, and uh, so I'm gonna. I want to go about my life, and Donald Trump is sending that message out big time by saying, "Look, look at me. I'm back healthy. I'm not afraid of COVID. You shouldn't be afraid of COVID." Uh, and uh, so that that encourages people uh, to continue like the rebellion against uh, Democratic governors. And uh, they're fired up by Trump. They put the signs out. It's part of their revolution, if you will. I don't don't know what they call it. The making America great again by making America sick again. 
Some scary stuff, Dean. Yes, unfortunately, this damn dirty coronavirus is still steamrolling through America. And now, with the magic number being 25, 25 days until Election Day, we're starting to see the unfortunate trend of general election candidates testing positive for COVID-19. Illinois Senate candidate Willie Wilson announced Thursday that he and his right-hand man, Scott Winslow, tested positive. And of course, like we've been talking about, the president himself, Donald Trump, also tested positive for COVID-19. Coincidence? Actually, no, it's not a coincidence. Campaigns are going to campaign, apparently, even during a pandemic. A lot of these people are still traveling across the country or state, meeting new people damn near every day, trying to get their message out. So it makes a lot of sense. And Ben, the unfortunate trend continues it's time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. All right. Incumbent Illinois representative and Republican 12th congressional district candidate Mike Boast has tested positive for the coronavirus. We have the press release statement from the Mike Bose campaign. Uh, it says here, quote, I learned, I learned last night that I have tested positive for COVID-19. Despite taking my temperature regularly and have no evidence of a fever, I experienced a mild cough and a rapid loss of both taste and smell and recognized it was important to get tested immediately. My staff and I have consulted with Congress office of the attending physician for additional guidance and any staff I've been in close contact with will quarantine until receiving their own test results. We are also beginning the process of reaching out to any constituents I've met with in recent days. I am postponing my public event schedule, but will continue conducting virtual meetings as I isolate at home. We are taking this situation seriously and will continue to serve the people of Southern Illinois while doing our best to ensure their health and safety. I will provide additional updates in the days ahead and am anxious to get back to work as soon as I make a full recovery. All right. Hope you make a full recovery, uh, Mike Boast. Uh, and yes, hope you uh, stay at home. Don't feel compelled to go out on the campaign trail. Don't feel compelled to shake anyone's hand. Don't go to any receptions where you're not wearing a mask. Don't hug people right now. Just stay at home. Stay safe. Take it serious. Don't view this staying at home as some kind of imposition that the government is forcing upon you. Do the right thing. Sounds like you're heading in that direction uh, already, Mike Bo. So uh, hope you I wish you well and a speedy recovery. Dean. Hey, stay tuned, everyone, because Ben Jarofsky and myself will be fictitiously traveling to the 12th Congressional District to meet Mike Bose and his Democratic challenger with our weekly reoccurring segment, Meet the Candidates. Ben, you have all that change we never use, right? All right, hold on, hold on. Wait, where is it? Oh, I think I left it down. Wait, no, here it is. There we go. Toll road. All right. Road, good, good, uh, good. By the way, clean out the car. Oh. I didn't want to say anything, but you need know, like, like your socks are in the back seat. They oh, kind of no. smell, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I was wondering where those socks went. All right, well, oh, maybe, there you go. maybe we'll use that change. I'll buy some new socks. Oh, da, 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 da. Yeah, got it. 
All right, put the change back. That's change, listeners, if you couldn't tell. All right, now let's talk about some non-coronavirus news. The Fair Tax Initiative. For months, we've been hearing about this. The proposed amendment to the Illinois state constitution that would change the state income tax from a flat tax to a graduated income tax. We've heard about it so much that we treat it like an actual human candidate here on the Ben Jarofsky Show, and we feature it in our candidate updates. The fair tax will be on your November 3rd ballot, and my oh my, has a lot of money been spent on this thing. Fair tax ads have been flooding our televisions here in Illinois constantly. Ads for the fair tax and luckily for the Ben Jarofsky show, ads against the fair tax. Seriously, this has been a source of great material for our program. (laughs) We heard an ad for and against the fair tax on Thursday and Ben, not even 24 hours later, we have another new fair tax ad to play. This one is for the nays. Let's hear the latest anti-fair tax ad. This ad features a reoccurring character. We've seen her in quite a few of these anti-fair tax ads. It's 85-year-old Phyllis Barklow, the old lady that's been featured on these ads. And she speaks for retirees in Illinois when she says to vote no to the Springfield politicians who are threatening to tax retirement income. And don't let the sweet old lady voice fool you, all right? Because also in this ad, Phyllis rips our Illinois state treasurer, the second tallest man in Springfield, next to Will Gazzardi, Michael Frerichs. That happens in this ad. So cue the sincere and scary music and take it away, Phyllis. Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes, but their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group of taxpayers, including retirees. Even our state treasurer said so publicly. The truth is, Nothing in the constitutional amendment protects retirement income from being taxed. So we could trust the politicians to be fair to taxpayers or vote no. And there it was. Wow. Hold on, D. I have to have a drink of water because this one is really annoying. All right. First of all. Yeah. If this amendment is passed, it will not repeat, will not repeat, repeat, repeat tax retirement income. Now, an argument could be made. Oh, me just saying this. Kenny Griffin has got his boys, got the, the tape machine going. Get this. Get what he's about to say. This, I, I'll be back up. Eric Zorn wrote a very good column. Got to give Eric credit today. I will now open it up. Eric Zorn, one of the most thoughtful columnists in town. You know, see, Tribune, got some thoughtful people in there. It's not just all the editorial board and John Cass. There's some uh, thoughtful people at the Chicago Tribune, and one of them is Eric Zorn. Don't always agree with Eric. He doesn't always agree with me, but uh, I think he plays fair. And uh, he's, he does a lot of his homework, and he, he, he deals with the subject. He deals with the subject in an honest way. And again, we get into the issue of, like, well, we have a problem here. We want to solve our problem. Uh, And what's the fairest, smartest way to do it? And what happens is it gets distorted by people who have a very specific agenda. So in this particular case, we're trying to figure out a way to pay our basic obligations. That's the fundamental challenge we have in the state of Illinois, the city of Chicago. We have bills. We have to pay those bills. To pay those bills, you have to impose taxes on people. 
That's just a fact. You want your roads cleaned? You want your roads paved? You want your roads policed? Everybody wants that. People downstate, upstate, costs money. You want money to help out farmers? Costs money. You want money to help out senior citizens? You got to have the money. You want money for police and fire, et cetera, and so forth. It costs money. All right? So what's the best way to do it? In the state of Illinois right now, we have a flat tax. Everybody pays at the same rate. It's not fair. It's not fair that Kenny Griffin, who is enormously wealthy, uh, gazillionaire, makes millions and millions of dollars every year, pays at the same rate as his secretary. It's just not fair. And because it's such an inequitable, unfair way, it's a foolish way to try to fund government because you're funding government by taxing people who could at least afford to pay it. If you tax people at a higher rate who are wealthy, they can afford to pay it. It's not as much stress and strain on their pocketbooks. It makes so much sense. It's, it's an obvious point. Here's the, here's the problem. The Kenny G's of the world don't want to pay more. We just saw with Donald Trump how far rich people will go to manipulate the tax code to avoid paying taxes. Now, what Donald Trump did with his taxes is borderline illegal. There was just a great uh, article in the New York Times, which I probably should address later, D, about the legality of Donald Trump uh, claiming approximately $70,000 in uh, hair care fee, taking care of his hair, using that as a deduction of his taxes. It's not at all clear that he's allowed to do that. Uh, and furthermore, he probably didn't make the expense in the first place. This is a fascinating story, folks. Somebody else paid for his barber or stylist, and then he claimed the cost that somebody else paid on his taxes as a deduction. Well, that wouldn't be legal. That's probably one of the things they're haggling over the IRS with Donald Trump right now. So we, you know, let's, let's be bipartisan. Here we go, D. Bipartisan in this. J.B. Pritzker, who I just showered with praise. We all know about Toilet Gate and his Gold Coast Mansion. The games he played with the tax man, because those were local property taxes, but it's the same general principle. There are ways to avoid paying taxes. The really smart accountants know those games, those ways, and the wealthy people can afford to pay the accountants to get those breaks. So they pay less. They use the system to pay less. And guess what? The less they pay, the more everybody else pays because you got to pay your obligations. So a fair tax makes all the sense in the world. But the powers that be in the state, the most influential, wealthiest people don't want it. But they can't come out and say, well, I don't want it because I don't want to pay more in taxes. They can't come out and say, I want to avoid paying taxes the way Donald Trump avoids paying taxes. They got to figure out how to put a populist spin on it. And so they get people like 85-year-old Phyllis, who for whatever reason, I know nothing about Phyllis D. I've not seen the commercial. I just heard her. I'm sure she's a wonderful human being. For whatever reason, she's determined to say something that's not true. 
So the fair tax amendment says nothing about taxing retirement income. Absolutely nothing. Right now in the state of Illinois, retirement income is not taxed. Now, Eric Zorn very courageously raises the issue that, well, maybe it's not a bad idea to think about taxing certain retirement income. Like if you're super duper wealthy, you know, maybe you're, if you're, if you make over, I just made this number up, $20 million a year, maybe we should tax your retirement income. I don't just made that number up. Eric didn't stipulate a number, but the point is the fair amendment says nothing about taxing retirement income. Nothing will change about taxing retirement income if the fair amendment is passed. What they just told you is not true. But they said it anyway. And here's the numbers, the raw numbers. To pass this amendment, J.B. Pritzker and the forces who are supporting it need 60% of the vote. To defeat it, obviously, you just need 40%. As I've pointed out on this show many times, 38% of the electorate voted for Bruce Rauner in the 2018 election. And I believe that's where the no vote is. It just starts with 38%. Very close to defeating it. To put it over the top, scare senior citizens. And they're using Phyllis to scare senior citizens or retirement income. And and Mike Frerichs, I think... Mike Ferrick should really come out much stronger than he has and say uh, how he's being used. His words are being used against him. And this is an interesting article uh, that interesting point that Eric made in his column today. Ferrick's made his comments in June while speaking to the Des Plaines uh, Chamber of Commerce about the advantages of a progressive rate system where he said that taxing higher retirement income is, quote, something that's worth discussion. So they sat on that thing from June. <laughs> now, I didn't think, you know, it's D, remember yesterday when I, I knew about this, I knew it was Frederick's comments were made in June. So when I first read about it, I'm like, this is me. I'm just not, I'm just not like, cynical enough for the state of Illinois. So I, even after all these years, D, I'm too innocent. So I'm like, oh, wow. One of their researchers discovered this factoid while doing research. But no, Eric's saying, oh, no, they, they knew about it in June, but they held on to it so they could drop it in October. Would it have a greater impact? So whatever, whatever either one... It's a slick move by a bunch of slicksters. They just made, they took Frerich's comments. He was like, turned it into this threat. And they're trying to get seniors to vote no, just because they they think it could tax the retirement income. And here's the irony of it. And I will point this out time and time again. Many of those seniors who are living on pensions, retirement income, dependent on those pensions for the existence will vote no on this fair tax and the state will be that much more challenged to figure out how to pay the pension obligations because the same forces who are trying to get you to vote no on the fair tax are the ones who are trying to cut pensions. They call it pension reform. So all the Phyllis's of the world, the same people that you are now supporting 
And your efforts to torpedo the fair taxers are going to be the ones who turn right around and, quote, unquote, reform the pensions in the state. And reforming the pensions in the state means cutting the pensions in the state. So it's a slickster move, D. Talked about it yesterday. They're doubling down on it. It's not true. It's not true. It's unfair. It's deceitful. But it's politics in the state of Illinois, D. Hey, here's an idea. Maybe we can get Phyllis as the third guest, the bonus guest. Get Phyllis on the show. You know what I mean? I'm calling her right now. Oh, cool. On. Do Where's it. My phone. Springfield oh, politicians. They promise they won't tax retirement. Oh, so that's all she talks about. All right. And that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Day, 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 day. Springfield. Policy. Okay, Phyllis, that's enough. <laughs> Hold on, D. I'm talking to Phyllis right now. Uh, hey, Phyllis. Yeah, I call her Philly. Yeah, I've gotten to know her so well. Philly, come on the show. No, you radical hippie. Whoa, Philly, come on. <laughs> That was not fair. <laughs> you pot smoking hippie. Wait, I have not smoked reefer since 1981. Well, that hippie producer of yours does. He hasn't smoked in four months. Okay, Phyllis? Off and on. All right. All right. I'm having an imaginary conversation with Phyllis. Yeah, I know. It's kind of really weird. weird. Yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to move on from that. Hey, remember, you can find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, <laughs> Benny J Show at gmail.com. Send us a message. And if you'd like us to read your message on the program, put your name and where you're from. In fact, we did get an email uh, in regards to the fair tax, and I'm glad uh, I remembered this here. Uh, short and sweet. Ron gets right to the point in his email yeah. to the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, Ron says, hey, please stop saying the fair tax is not going to pass. Have a little faith. If you can't say something positive, hold your peace, please. You know, Ron, you raise a good point. So I'm going to uh, conjure up Bruce Springsteen. Have a little faith. There's magic in the night. You ain't a beauty, but yeah, you're all right. Sorry, just never hearing having little faith triggers. But you're right, Ron. I should be more positive. I'm going to put out positive rays. You're absolutely correct. I'm so negative about the fair tax. I see. I. But again, you know, I look at those numbers. I see how difficult it is. Uh, but I should be more positive. I think if I'm just in general more. See, I've tried that sometimes, Steve. I remember in 1984, I was putting out positive rays for Walter Mondale to defeat Ronald Reagan. And I boldly predicted, Walter, you watch, ladies and gentlemen, all the polls show uh, Reagan annihilating Mondale. And I pro proclaimed, you watch, Walter Mondale's going to stun people and he's going to win this election. I put those positive rays out. And people are still making me making fun of me that on that one day. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. It's been... How many years was it? 1984, 16, 36 years ago, 36 years ago, people are still making fun of me for predicting that Walter Mondo. So I was, I, I, I don't know. I'm cursed on this point, but I'm going to, I'm going to put out positive rays because I'm with you, man. I really want it to pass. It makes all the sense in the world. So hold on. There, I put out some positive rays, D. There you go. Awesome. Be like Ron. Send us an email. BennyJShow at gmail.com. And you can call us. Yes, you can leave us a voicemail. 708-658-4788. That number again. 708-658-4788. 
888-888. Call the Ben Jarofsky show. Say what's going on, uh, you know, and let us know what's on your mind. Springfield politicians. (laughs) They promise they won't tax retirement. Enough, Phyllis. Come on, Phyllis. We heard you the first time. Oh, damn, Connor. Oh, oh, do this bit again. Yeah. Come on, Phyllis. Let it go. Now, I hate you and I hate that hippie producer of yours with that weird beard. I, and and okay, I know and that's you doing doctor. the. I know that's you doing the voice. So you can think you think my beard's weird, huh? No, I def- his beard is nice. Okay, I don't. Why is he wearing that hat? That's that's his hat that he's wearing. Okay, Phyllis, if you can't say nice things, don't say anything. You're a hippie. You're a commie. I love Donald Trump. Now, Phyllis. Now, now, Phyllis. <laughs> and now I'm doing Phyllis as like a sock person. So I got like, you, you can't see this deep, but I got like a little, you know, the sock person. What's it? Saturday Night Live. Hey, I'm Phyllis. I'm the talking old person that is trying to make rich people richer. Hi. I like Dennis. Oh, Phyllis, that's really nice. I've reconsidered it, but I hate you. Whoa. You're a commie freak. Okay. Oh, no, come on. Do you like Jimi Hendrix? Oh, this I, Phyllis I like bit. Glenn this Miller. Phyllis bit is killing it, pal. <laughs> Get him on Saturday Night Live right now. Now, Phyllis, I want you to take your medication, okay? Oh, do I gotta? Guys, we're taking a break, and we'll be right back after this song. Ramana Hussein on the way. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from my apartment in Ben's attic. Don't go anywhere.
want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I say. Okay, you two. This election, Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. In fact, some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County state's attorney, over 60 judges, our water reclamation district commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge. But Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you yeah, you, with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. Their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop, take it with you into the voting booth on your phone, and feel confident in knowing who and what you are voting for. chicagovotes.com. One more time, chicagovotes.com. It is Friday, October 9th, and hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Every Friday, without fail, rain, shine, sleet, whatever, Ramana Hussein comes on our show. Uh, sometimes editor and columnist, always has something interesting to say. Romana, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me again. I very um, have a confession to make. Usually uh, Romana uh, and I have a phone conversation uh, before the show, we talk about the things we're going to talk about. Then I always say to Romana, I promise to send you a cheat sheet. I did not send the cheat sheet to Romana. I immediately got distracted uh, by by something else. Romana, I can't remember. So I'm going to tell the world what we're going to talk about. We're talking about yeah, Michigan. Yeah, I have to admit, because you didn't give me a cheat sheet, I might not have done all the homework. So uh, uh, There was no homework today. You have nothing to worry about. Usually I, I, I said, Romana. I, I thought I could read a column, but I, I, was, I was busy. We're down a couple editors today. So I don't know if I read what you had asked me to. I can't remember what I asked you to read, so we're okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think you had already read what I asked you to read. Modlin's column in the Sun Times. Oh, I did, I did. Uh, about combo. So you already you're 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 okay. But we talk about Michigan. Uh, and the plot against the governor there. We're going to talk about, uh, Ramana mentioned this. Uh, these were uh, all uh, right-wing uh, men, all white men. Imagine if uh, Muslims been caught making this uh, plot. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and uh, Governor Whitmer suggesting that Donald Trump has some responsibility for things like this with the rhetoric he unleashes. Get uh, Romana's uh, thoughts on that, on that. Does she think that the mayor and the governor have gone too far in bringing Trump into that? Uh, we're going to talk about, of course, the debate that's at the top of my list of things to talk about, how she thought Kamala Harris did. We're getting the issues of mansplaining versus interrupting uh, with these fine distinctions. And should Biden even have further debates? This is some of the issues we're going to talk about in the course. Um, Romana's recommendations. And then I may throw a, a curveball or two at her. So, Romana, let's start with the debates. I know you dutifully watch them. Um now we're, we must be serious because over the summer, uh, Ramana and Mick 
We're like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to watch the debates. I was giving them a hard time. Watch your debate. Eat your vegetables. No, I'm not going to watch them. I, but, I didn't I didn't watch the debates with all the Democratic, um, with all the nominees for the Democratic Party. It's just too many. There was like 12 of them, like on stage at once. So it's like everybody just got a sentence. And so I didn't think it was fully. I got I, I watched it when it was pared down a little bit. I, I would read the articles. I, did, I, I mean, I wasn't completely out of touch with it. I would read the articles afterwards. But I didn't, I didn't follow them on TV. Like All right. Well, well, we'll not uh, relitigate this one. That was okay. from uh, last summer before the pandemic. Uh, I always like to tease Maureen Donald, one of my favorite writers in the world. The Maureen Donald uh, theory of watching movie. Ah, as long as I read the Richard Roper review, it's OK. All right. Uh, let's uh, I just love teasing Maureen. Um, all right. Let's talk about the debate. Uh, Kamala Harris versus Mike Pence. And your general thoughts, we'll start with that. Um, you know, our general thoughts, I think after, you know, it felt like a lifetime ago that the presidential debates happened, but it was only about a week and a half ago or about, you know, it was, it was, I, I couldn't believe when I was watching the vice presidential debates, that the presidential debates were just a week ago. I think after watching the presidential debates and how that went, this, this debate seemed a lot more calmer. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was definitely different given that there was a glass barrier between the two candidates. And, uh, I thought the tone was different, obviously, because, you know, but, you know, there was still interruptions on, on, you know, Pence was definitely, Mike Pence was definitely interrupting Kamala Harris. Uh, a lot of people would say it was just a different way. The tone was a little different. So overall, I think people noticed the tone it just seems so much subdued compared to what we saw last week. Um, and I have to admit, and I told you this over the phone, I was paying attention to the discussion, but at some point the fly took over the discussion <laughs> among people on my text groups. Um, as I was watching with my husband, of course, he's watching and he's getting all flustered about, you know, questions about fracking and it, whether they handled the questions about the environment um, as well as they should have and while me and my friends were discussing the fly and when it was going to come out of Mike Pence's head. And uh, so, I mean, there was uh, my, I'm not saying my friends weren't paying attention to the substance that they were definitely. Cause they did talk. Uh, one of my friends did use the word mansplaining while um, the debates were taking place in reference to Mike Pence. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about that. And uh I'd love to get your uh, thoughts on how you deal with this in the work world, uh, how you do this, deal with this uh, in the everyday world. Kamala Harris and Mike Pence are peers mm -hmm. in that they are running against each other. So they're equals on a stage. And as such, there were rules and regulations that both campaigns have agreed to, that both have said they will abide by, uh, in which one person gets two minutes or whatever it is, the next person gets two minutes. You're not supposed to interrupt the other person. You're not supposed to exceed the two-minute limit. And you're supposed to answer the question that you're asked. Mike Pence from the get-go violated all of the rules and regulations. He talked over his two minute la limit, even when the moderator said, stop it, please. Uh, he did not answer the questions he was asked and he interrupted uh, Kamala Harris. In your opinion, how should Kamala Harris have handled those disruptions? 
I mean, I think a lot of people would say that she handled it fine. Um, I don't know. You've probably seen the memes of her giving him looks, certain looks with the, you know, and she did say there were, there was a point where she said, you know, excuse me, this is my portion to speak. And she told the moderator like, well, I get the same amount of time that, you know, he did. I think, I think people would say that she handled it um, pretty effectively. I know some of the discussion was that if she went too far, like, you know, maybe yelling at Mike Pence, that, you know, a lot of women of color, a lot of African-American women of color said that she has to be careful so she doesn't come off to the American public, that is, as an angry black woman. So, you know, I think she has to balance that fine line as a, as a woman of color, as an African-American woman who's part South Asian, um, just to kind of, you know, find that balance. I think a lot of people would say that she took the high road by, you know, she did, she was, she wasn't definitely, she wasn't like, she wasn't being bullied, but she stood her ground, but in a more with the tone where it's like, let me talk, but without yelling, really. And, you know, I know a lot of people would probably say that, um, you know, Biden got the same treatment in a different manner and he's a white male. So it could be it could be that this, you know, the Republicans, that's a strategy is interrupting and talking over and showing, you know, trying to show people who's boss. That's what I think their strategy is. Yeah. So, so as a strategy, uh, that's one thing. In quotes, uh, yeah. It, it, right. Strategy in quotes, but as just sort of like almost a subconscious response where uh, a man and a woman are working together or uh, debating an issue, the man talks over the woman. Do you, no. have you found that in your experience that that happens a lot? Um, of course. I think um, that happens subconsciously. Um, I don't know if it's subconsciously or consciously, but yeah, it happens in the workplace all the time. Um, women will say something and it's like, you're just kind of brushed off. I mean, there have been, I mean, I can, I don't have a problem saying there's been instances where I say something to the news desk and it's like, okay, you know, life goes on. Nobody says anything. And they're like, you know, maybe three hours later, a guy says it. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we got to cover that story. And I'm like, I just said that like three hours ago. So, you know, I think I think women and especially women of color, there was a lot of debate about whether the moderator was fair to Kamala Harris. I thought she had a hard job. I think these moderators in these past couple of debates have had a hard job, but they need to kind of set the tone as well. So, yeah, I think I think all women um, no matter what the race is, will tell you that, you know, this is what it's like to be a woman in a meeting. I, <laughs> do you think that's not true or do you think? Well, I. You're a man, so you're not. Thank you. Um, I'm very rarely in meetings. I know that sounds like a duck and a dodge, but I'm very rarely in meetings. And when I am in meetings, if I could share my innermost uh, thoughts with you, Romana, I don't like meetings. I, 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 I can't stand meetings. So I want them to end as soon as possible. So I don't, I'm not the person who calls the meeting. I'm never a boss. So the, it's the boss who calls the meeting. So I'm just generally waiting to hear what the boss has to say. And, uh, you know, he or she have had w women and men bosses. Uh, and then, okay. If there's any discussion, bada boom, bada bing, let's go. So I don't even like to talk at meetings because that just, uh, extends the meetings. Yeah, and I know what you're saying because, I, I mean, trust me, there's times where I'm, like, trying to edit a story because we need to get the story up. I have an afternoon meeting, news meeting every day at 3.15, and I'm trying to do that while talking. So sometimes I'm like, I don't even want to be part of this discussion. They can talk. But, yeah, I do try to put my two cents in all the time. Um, I'm not saying I – don't, I don't want to say – I don't want to be unfair because there are 
many male colleagues who do ask for my opinion and ask me things. But it, it's just kind of a common a common theme that a lot of women have gotten used to. And I think people are just speaking out about it more than they were before um, in terms of just like, you know, and, and it's just the way that our companies in our world is structured. I mean, we've seen this in the aftermath of the George Floyd killings. I mean, most people in power are, are white men. So when there is a meeting, the white man is going to be talking, right? So I think it's something that culturally that we have gotten used to where the face of authority is a white male figure and that's changing. And I, I do think that um, I do think there are men in power in especially in our government. I mean, you see with Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and the squad AOC, it's like they're threatened by these women because they're not, you know, what they expect from them. You know, they want them to stay quiet, I think. So when they do open their mouths, you know, there's all this backlash because people, especially they aren't used to a woman of color standing up to a white man or the, you know, the quote unquote status quo. Well, that's uh, it's true. If you look at the the different ways that Donald Trump, the Republicans try to demonize the left when they talk about Bernie Sanders, oh, crazy Bernie. Like he's just a lunatic, yeah. uh, you know, whacked out. That's how they would deal with me if they bothered to oh, that crazy lefty, uh, the old commie. But uh, for uh, the squad, it's something more insidious. Do you get what okay. I'm saying? It's like, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, for oh, for sure. You know, um, you know, when Do- Donald Trump got coronavirus, Twitter had put out this um said that anybody who had wished for Donald Trump's death would be suspended. And there were members of the squad who said, how come this was never uh, a rule when we've all gotten death threats? And a lot of women of color were just speaking out, saying that we've gotten so many death threats and nobody said anything. These are women who are in positions of power, including the squad. I did not know that. I missed that point that uh, Twitter said, if you put out, uh, if you wish ill of Donald Trump, they would suspend you. I missed that. Yeah, And then Facebook, you could say it, but you couldn't tag Donald Trump. All right. Well, let's since you raise this, let me get your thoughts about this. The whole issue of wishing well to Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, every I mean, uh, it's it's sort of like something that's expected that responsible columnists, uh, as opposed to irresponsible ones, uh, are compelled to say, I wish nothing but the best to uh, Donald Trump and that he gets uh, well soon. Uh, and I have my issues with that. I'm just curious with your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, do journalists have an obligation to say that they wish someone well when, you know, I mean, I guess as a human on one level, but I don't think journalists have an obligation to wish anyone well when someone's sick. I mean, in their personal lives, maybe they can say it, but I don't think they have to put that in their articles or their columns unless it's a column about wishing Donald Trump well. So, yeah, there was a lot of chatter about this on Twitter. I, I got a lecture from a young uh, left lefty friend who said, I hope you're not t- tweeting about Donald Trump getting better. I'm like, why would I do that? I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, there was conversations about that. I think a lot of people are saying that, you know, if they they feel that they shouldn't be wishing death on anyone. So I know some people feel like, well, I, you know, I don't like Donald Trump, but I'm not going to wish for his death. But there are definitely a lot of people who are wishing for it. For for him to take to, to, for him for his illness to take um, a different turn of you know a different course of action, but I don't know. 
I think if a reporter feels like they need to say it, but there's so many people who are sick. Are you going to say it for every, for every public figure? I mean, I don't remember people saying get well wishes to Eddie Van Halen, who passed away this week. I didn't even know he was sick until he passed away. Uh, I, I mean, I know Eddie Van Halen is different than Donald Trump. Yeah. People argue that Eddie Van Halen was more important to their lives or more had more talent than Donald Trump. I think a lot of people would argue that. So. I, and he was def, definitely less destructive, in my humble yeah, opinion, to exactly. the world. So a lot of, you know, a lot of people might say, well, why not? I mean, there's so many people who are ill in this world. And I don't know. Some of it is posturing for sure. Well, I, I would draw a distinction between a reporter, a conventional reporter and a columnist. So yeah. a columnist uh, pines, a reporter reports. Yeah. So there's that yeah. distinction. Yeah. Uh, and be a little different than a yeah. I do. I know this, that uh, there is, and I, and I, I've been taught this and this is kind of how I view the world. There's like standards, a protocol that you play according to. And I, I feel that uh, in many ways, Ramana, you and I were raised the same way and we're very respectful of these protocols and these standards. And I can tell you this right now, uh, my dear friend and your husband, McDumkey, is definitely raised from the school. There are protocols, there are standards, you act respectfully, you treat people the way you would want them to treat you. And so if someone is ill, your natural inclination is to say, I wish you well, I hope you get better. Of course. Because you would want somebody to say that of you. And so when someone dies, for instance, I try to really restrain myself uh, from saying anything negative about the person, if, even if I despise them. Although, as I told you before, I don't despise anybody. Uh, and I just, just did that for you. Um, and so, but on the other hand, Donald Trump, part of his political success is that he's defied every single one of these standards of decency. So it's very difficult to accord him the respect that he has accorded no one exactly. in his entire life. Let's say that uh, the tables were turned and Joe Biden got infected with coronavirus. Would he have put out a similar statement than Joe Biden did? I have to, I have to be, if I was a betting person, I would say no. So... I mean, he's he hasn't wished many people well either himself when he found out that people were sick. Oh, not only. OK, if God forbid it was the other way around, uh, Donald Trump, would there, a statement would have been issued from on behalf of Donald Trump, which he probably had nothing to do with along the lines of I am praying for him. And then as soon as he got a hold of an interview with Fox, he'd completely contradict it. By making fun of Biden, oh, yeah. by mocking him. He got it anyway, even though he wore a mask. You know, I mean, uh, so, yes, I, <laughs> I, I, I think that Donald Trump is incapable of playing, of having the kind of discipline uh, to show this kind of respect. Yeah. And I do think with this case of Donald Trump um, falling ill with coronavirus, um, just because of who he is. There are a lot of people who normally are very polite, were not very polite in his case. So that just shows you the disdain or what Donald Trump represents to a lot of Americans in this country. Of course, a lot of people, you know, love him, too. But, you know, he's angered so many people for breaking the rules and for what a lot of people think is making a mockery of the United States and, you know, disrespecting the position and just, you know, so I think, I think a lot of people didn't really feel that sympathetic to him. 
these are people who normally would in normal circumstances. I have to say that Facebook did not do a very good job. I guess the, the issue with Facebook is they don't send it directly to Donald Trump because in the days after Donald Trump announced he got COVID, I saw some pretty outrageous stuff. No, uh, but they, 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 they were allowed to say stuff about Donald Trump on Facebook. The rule there was that you couldn't tag him. Right. Okay. So you could say whatever you wanted on Facebook about him. It was Twitter that if you wished him, wished him, wishes death, then you would be suspended. See, I also think that uh, there's gamesmanship going on. And and this is one of the, the great tactics of the right. Uh, the right feels they have a freedom to bash anybody they want. But if anybody counterpunches them, they start crying like the little babies. You know, they, oh, you're picking on me. Da, da, da. And so if you, so like all these columnists, uh, they're, they're like so worried that their column will be used by the right uh, in a campaign to stir people against the columnists that they start off by, I, I, I'm not, of course, I wish nothing but well, nothing but good things for Donald Trump. I don't think anybody out there, then they start lecturing you. Don't wish bad things of Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, you still, by the way, Ramana, I get all the right wing stuff. They'll still find the one guy, you know, like like someone in the view will say something about Donald Trump and then the Tea Party will send it out. Look what the view said about Donald. It'll make you insane. Look what they said of a beloved first lady. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they try to stir you up. I know. I know. But they were they were pretty quiet when people were saying stuff about Barack Obama. Pretty yes. quiet. They were the ones yelling it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and and the, the thing about and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it's just you talk about events, Ramana, that like seem like ancient history. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she died about two weeks ago. I would say it, two weeks, two, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago? I've lost track of it. I lost a week. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking, I don't know. It feels like forever since last week. You know, we had the debates and we had Donald Trump getting covid yeah, just it just whatever it was. Uh, first, they put out the oh, uh, we mourn her, and then the morning, all of a sudden, then the next, like within a minute, oh, but we're gonna fill that vacancy right away, exactly. and this is our chance to totally. You know what I'm saying? The mourning period was like the one minute between they sent out one text and another text, and then they had the they had the big uh, shebang on the White House lawn and Rose Garden, and that's where I think everybody got coronavirus. So they acted fast. Talk about that. We haven't talked about that. That that was. Let me ask you about this. They filled that rose garden, and these are very successful people. The people at that rose garden were, um, you know, scholars, legal scholars, very wealthy, powerful lawyers, government officials, uh, people of commerce and industry. Been very successful, very smart people. Obviously, went to the finest universities. And none of them, except for like a couple, were wearing masks or hugging. They're kissing. They're breaking every rule. Do you really believe that they thought that was safe or were they intimidated by, by Donald Trump? What's going on there psychologically? Help me out with this, Romana. I, I mean, I can tell you, I, I have to say that I have been at outdoor activities and gatherings with other people and I have a mask on and it kind of goes on and off. So maybe somebody would catch me and be like, oh, she's not wearing her mask. So I do try. So when I'm outside, I'm a little less strict. I know that. But yeah, they, they definitely seemed, a lot of the people didn't even have like masks around their neck. So I was just kind of wondering, like it wasn't one of those things where they just had it down for a few seconds and they put it back up. It was one of those things where 
it just seemed like, I mean, I, and there have been, you know, I saw, I saw a friend at a restaurant and I didn't recognize her cause we had our masks on and I recognized her as she was leaving. And then as soon as she saw me, she hugged me and I'm like, well, you're not supposed to hug me. So, you know, I mean, I think it's just sometimes it's a natural instinct when you see people, but I feel like when it's a public event like that, especially it's like an official event. I don't know. I would think that people would kind of have some sort of caution, but it seemed like it wasn't like you just saw one hug or one handshake. You saw a couple within that short clip they they showed. And uh, it's what's her last name? God, Coney Barrett. Uh, yeah, they had coronavirus over the summer. So you would think that she would be a little more cautious herself, but she didn't seem to be taking any um, caution either. Nobody was taking. There was one. I, I look I at the one person with a mask around there. I saw. Yeah, it's funny because again, this is liberal reporters, liberal uh, columnists, always are just bending over backwards to be nice and play by rules that the other side doesn't. So they don't say nobody was wearing a mask. They always go very few masks. And I look at the pictures, Ramona. I, I can still see the one guy with definitively wearing the mask. I, you know what I mean? It's like, well, there may be two in there, yeah. but you know, well, most people, it's always bending over backwards. That's how liberals do. By the way, before we leave this, I need to get that explanation from you. The difference between just interrupting somebody and mansplaining. Go ahead. Well, mansplaining is when, well, interrupting is just plain interrupting. And I, you know, honestly, I interrupt people all the time too myself. I'm not, I, I talk, I tend to talk a lot and I do interrupt people and I'm sure if you talk to my husband, your friend, Mick Dunkey, he will tell you that I interrupt him, too. <laughs> I mean, there are some times where he's like, can you please let me talk? <laughs> and I and I keep going. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a natural uh, for anyone that talks or anybody who's used to debating a point. Um, there are a lot of interruptions, but there are some people who interrupt more than others. So interruption is a little different than mansplaining. Mansplaining is when you are talking to a man and they start, you know, talking to you like in a patronizing manner, like you don't know anything. And it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like men. It's, it's the best example is like when a man is explaining a, a sports to a woman who understands the rules, it's kind of like that, like going over and above. And of course, you know, my husband is explaining some sort of sports to me because I don't get football. So that's like a little different because I'm actually asking him, but it's like once when a, you're talking to a woman who probably knows as much as you do on a matter and then they over explain things to you and talk to you in a patronizing way. And that's what I, that's what I think of as mansplaining. Yeah. I, I have to make a, a, a distinction here. Very important. I've written about this in the past. You cannot call, accuse somebody of mansplaining, uh, if you're talking sports with someone who knows nothing about sports. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's not mansplaining. That's like, like well, there's nine people on a baseball team. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, that's what I said. So I'm saying, you know, when, my husband is explaining football to me. I don't understand football. That's okay. I won't consider that mansplaining, but I've accused him of mansplaining before, but he's, he's accused me of women'splaining. Oh, women'splaining. Oh God. Yeah. That's a whole other, by the way, is that a bears t-shirt I'm seeing you wearing? Yeah, but I got it free at the Sun Times. <laughs> I that, oh my God, that was like another existence. <laughs> remember, I remember so clearly my beloved bright one. We were back in the studio and the sometimes was having that party, the Bears party. God, talk about horrific. That was last season where the Bears absolutely stunk. Everybody, the sometimes, everybody jumped aboard the bandwagon. This oh, is yeah. the year that. 
Remember that? Yeah, but this was this was from almost ten years ago. I was friends with oh. the features editor at the time, and she asked me and uh, Tina Smondellis, who formerly worked at the Sun Times, to pose in T-shirts for the Bears. For these shirts were made specifically for women, and so we we were we got our pictures taken, but they cut our heads off, so nobody knew it was us posing for the picture. So it was used in the paper. So she goes, we can keep the T-shirts. Oh, I, I, never, I would never go out of my way to get a Bears t-shirt, I can tell you that. Oh, so it wasn't uh, part of the uh, celebration from last. I remember then you came no. into the studio, and we could hear the, the cheering and the singing. And, oh, yeah, it was a uh, party. I ate food, um, and then people took pictures. Uh, you could take pictures with, like, Bears paraphernalia, take your selfie. I'm sure you did that. Uh, no, we were not invited to the Bears party. It was a oh, point of contention. You and Dennis weren't invited. That's kind of rude. Uh, go sit in your little studio. All right. No, I'm sure. Well, it was during our show, so we had, they had oh. excuse. All right. Um, all right. So let's talk about Michigan. Uh, six charge and plot to kidnap governor. I found it very disturbing when the story broke. I've talked about it already on the show today. And apparently the FBI uh, have been tracing these um, militiamen and uh, listening to their plots. Uh, really bizarre view of the world that somehow or other uh, the governor of Michigan had overextended her authority by trying to implement laws to protect people and that they were going to lead the rebellion. Yeah. Uh, and by kidnapping her and holding her on trial, these and then maybe unleashing a civil war. These are some pretty whacked out people, Romano. I know. Um, I I mean, I don't know. Part of me wasn't really shocked, <laughs> given what at the the politics that we have um, going on right now in the country and the way the president has been speaking. Um, I know the didn't the governor of Michigan say say that Trump pretty much emboldened. Um, these type of individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely, I don't know, I wasn't surprised. It is definitely, I mean, on one hand, I wasn't surprised, but definitely, it definitely is like crazy on one level. Like you're going to kidnap. Wasn't, weren't there other states mentioned too? I know that, I know uh, Gretchen Whitmer, Whitmer, is that what it is? Whitmer from Michigan, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was definitely on the list. And we were actually checking on our, on our side and the news side whether, um, any uh, any Illinois officials were on that because we thought it was weird that these guys would be targeting Michigan, but then didn't really kind of ignore Illinois, given that, you know, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Governor Pritzker pretty much do everything different than the way Donald Trump said things are going. But it definitely was an eye opener that this happened. Um, am I shocked? No. But yeah, it is. It is still something where you're just like you step back and think this is insane. And I think Donald Trump, even yesterday, I think he went after the uh, Michigan governor like later in the day. It was crazy. And I know I've mentioned this to you, too. A lot of people who are brown or people of color or people who have Muslim sounding names. Like, could you imagine if their names were Muhammad or Abdul? Uh, for sure, they would be called terrorists. I think there was a one governor, government official who did call them domestic terrorists, but um, your um, friend, Amaya Pawar, also had a tweet yesterday that said, if this was me, I know that I, the headlines would say terrorists. So I know a lot of people, a lot of brown people or a lot of people with uh, Middle Eastern names who are just kind of thinking that, um, you know, the names that are, the words that are used, uh, there's no, there's no dog whistles for these white guys. It's, they're called militia, not to say that that's, a, you know, a pleasant word, but the word terrorism is definitely a lot more loaded. And they just said that if they were, if they looked a lot different and had different names, they would be called terrorists. And that would be the front page news on every paper. 
Yeah, and uh, instead, there's you watch. There's going to be a counter movement to sort of justify what they did, although there really can be no justification of what they did. Uh, I, I think that uh, Whitmer, part of the uh, a- attitude toward Whitmer, had to do with the fact that she was a woman. Oh, of course. I mean, there's three states right next to each other with uh, Republican, excuse me, Democratic governors uh, that with with strong uh, opposition from Republicans. You got Wisconsin with Governor Evers. You have uh, Illinois with Governor Pritzker and you have Whitmer in Michigan. But from the get go. Donald Trump has just gone after Whitmer. Uh, that's where Operation Gridlock began. That's where the first insurrection against the masks began with that drive around in Lansing. And, and they've just been focused on Whitmer. And Ramana, at some, po- at some level, it's like on top of everything else, it's a woman telling me. Exactly. And it's, it's one of those things like I was talking to about, like, how dare a woman be putting, setting down the rules. And I think that's what the attitude is. Or the people who are like, that's part of what they're feeling. I don't know what they're feeling. I can't say what they're feeling. But you definitely feel like there's a sexism is at play in these instances. All right. It was uh, not uh, long ago that after Operation Gridlock erupted that Donald Trump uh, tweeted out, liberate Michigan. Yeah. Uh, This is one of the many mixed messages that he has sent out during uh, this pandemic, liberate Michigan, cheering them on and encourage them. And Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, made reference to that yesterday. Uh, and uh, Governor Whitmer uh, made reference to that. Uh, what's your attitude about blaming Trump for stirring up people like these uh, militiamen? I think I think it's a legitimate question. I mean, a le- legitimate. Um, I think it's legitimate. That's what I want to say, not a question. But I think uh, there are legitimate statements. And, uh, you know, what we're seeing you know, we're, we, we've heard this since the beginning. Remember when uh, when the group of protesters were ran down by a, um, a counter-protester? Or, or where was that? I'm forgetting now. And Donald Trump said there are good people on both sides. Charlotte, it was in yeah, Virginia. Charlotte. And then uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, um, this is the man who uh, shot protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And Donald Trump had expressed sympathy for him as well. Um, during the debates, uh, we heard Donald Trump uh, talk about white supremacy and kind of when the opportunity arose to denounce it, he really didn't. And in fact, um, a lot of people felt like he was praising or at least, um, you know, kind of giving some sort of signal to the Proud Boys. So I do think there are questions. I mean, when you have the president of the United States saying things like liberate Michigan, when you're talking to someone who is not in a position of power. This is their leader telling them to liberate Michigan. So this is what your leader is telling you to do. So to say that Donald Trump doesn't have responsibility is ludicrous. I think he does have some responsibility. And you know what's uh, particularly irritating in this, Ramana, as I'm listening to you recite all those uh, recent events, the right continually blames every single Democrat for the unrest that happened. Oh, yeah. This, I mean, both debates, Pence and Trump, blame Biden for the unrest, the looting, the fires, what have you, that took place uh, over the summer. Put it right on them. Yeah. That, that's the centerpiece of the Republican attack on Biden and Harris. And somehow or other, if they're uh, controlled by the mob, 
And but if you flip it, and by the way, there's nothing that Joe Biden or Kamala Harris has ever said that remotely would encourage somebody to smash a window. Exactly. But Donald Trump said liberate Michigan. He yes. did say that. And there, I, I don't know if I if I could be wrong, but weren't they? What isn't it? Wasn't it all in caps? Like you know, it's just yes. like it's like you know, he's. It's like why would you say something like that? I mean, you know, if if Barack Obama said something similar, then in, you know he said liberate you know Chicago, and everybody went nuts. You know what I mean? It's they would blame him, right? Yeah, they'd still be blaming him, and he would never say anything remotely. Yeah. Again, it goes back to what we we're talking about. Liberals play by one set of rules that, you know, they follow the rules. The debate person says you have two minutes. When your two minutes is up, you have to be quiet. You're not allowed to talk when the other person is talking. You have to answer the question. Liberals follow those rules. Conservatives, the right wing, there are no rules. Well, there are only rules when it applies to them. You know, I mean, you know, you probably saw the meme about how um, there was a meme where they showed this guy like saying, oh, I'm going to kill those protesters and, you know, do this and do that. And then the next meme has Donald Trump has coronavirus. And they're like, these people are so mean, wishing ill on Donald Trump. So it's just it's kind of like it depends on, you know, what's happening when the rules apply. Rules for thee, not for me, uh, someone once said. All right, we'll uh, close it down with your Romano's recommendations. What are you offering people uh, well, to do? Well, I don't know. I can tell you um, last week, uh, I don't know if you guys are either Walking Dead fans, um, but I, I, I watched I watched it. I like caught up at some point like five, six years ago, so I'm still watching it. I'm making myself watch. But season 10, like they had one more episode left. And coronavirus happened, and they aired that last week. So I saw that, but I, I think the rest of the se- the rest of the new shows are going to start in twenty twenty one. So I did that. Um, I finished uh, Shit's Creek upon your recommendation, and I think I finished it season six. I think I finished the show before you did, even though yes. even though you started way before I did. Yes, I, I binged. So I do recommend that. I, I now that I'm done with it, anybody who hasn't seen it, it's a good show. It's kind of. Um, it's a little lighthearted and you know we talked about this where some of the characters have weird they have weird they have weird inflections in the language when they talk or they just speak a little weird um especially uh Catherine O'Hara I thought her character Moira had like a weird accent which could be a little grating but I thought the show overall I thought was very good I like I it. I uh was watching a, a lot of it. And then, uh, as Romana pointed out, see, uh, Netflix only had the first five years, I want to say. Uh, so the final, the culminating year six was not on Netflix when I was watching it. So I just, uh, three months have gone by. Now I see it is on Netflix. So yeah, that's what Romana was. Week or something. Or last yeah, week. so I could watch it. But uh, the problem with me and watching that show, and Dennis can attest to this, is I watch so much of it, and you're right, the mannerisms of the characters would seep into me, and I would just start doing them all the time. So for the longest time, I was like, um, I would do it, and literally doing the daughter, um, (laughs) and she has this thing where she pulls her hair, this nervous tick, and so I'd be doing that. People can't see that, because, you know, I don't have a camera. Um, Dennis, uh, and I'm pulling my hair. Well, the son and the daughter kind of had the same they had the same mannerisms. They would do certain things. I noticed 
but um, I Moira for sure the character Moira had like an accent where you're just like where is that coming from I, I actually saw an article about it about how it's some sort of specific Canadian accent mixed with British accent or something I, I just thought it was like a, a fraudulent uh, upper uh, yeah, I kind of do that upper, accent upper, upper class accent like East yeah accent. Um, Dennis uh, Dennis <laughs> Uh, you know, that kind of thing. John, her husband's name is John. John. (laughs) But I, but I thought it was overall funny. I mean, it's good that I watched it by myself because I watched, if I watched it with Mick, we would still be on episode three of season (laughs) one and it would take us at least two years to finish. So I'm watching Veep with him and, uh, that's, that's a show he picked and we were only, we are only two, two or three episodes into it. I think it'll take us at least three years of I'm watching with Mick. Well, uh, I'm still urging you to watch Pose, which I think is the greatest. I will, I will uh, try to. I will try to watch that TV now. show ever. And I'm watching this uh, French comedy, uh, and called, it's called Call My Agent, and it's about uh, movie stars in France and their agents. And I find it delightful. But you know, I have this weird thing where stuff seeps into my head. And so this is in French, and they speak really fast with subtitles. So you have to really be quick. It's a challenge to, for me anyway, to keep up with reading the subtitles because they talk really fast, but this is really bizarre, kind of embarrassing to admit, but I like find myself speaking in French because I've been seeing this, but I don't speak French. <laughs> so it's like my gobbledygook French, which I'm, I'm I, my standard, even with no standards in the show where I'll do dumb things. I will not do that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. With Are you just saying things like we and, Oh, it's worse than that. It's just like this, what French sounding. I mean, they speak so fast. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I actually, when I talk Urdu, I talk faster. I, I talk fast. I'm a fast talker. But when I speak in my parents, you know, the lang- my the mother tongue, I go a lot faster because that's the way my mom talks. So I, I kind of picked up her mannerisms. I talk very fast. By the way, speaking of your mom, I um, <laughs> have to say this. You sent me this text. Your mom and I had the same reaction with that fly. <laughs> and uh, when that fly landed on Pence's head, I thought it was a fly on my TV. My mom uh, thought the same thing. Yeah. My, so, my younger sister was watching with her. She said that she, th- she thought the fly was on, on her TV. And my mom's also doing a really good Donald Trump impression of him trying to breathe while he's in that balcony. So... My mom's, you know, she's she's obviously she's like, oh, did you see him on the balcony? And then she was imitating him. Wait, she time out. Literally, can she can do a Donald Trump imitation? She was doing a Donald Trump imitation of him trying to breathe. Does does your mom have an accent? Uh, that she, does she speak English with an she, accent? She, she, yeah, English? English is her second language, so she definitely you can definitely tell English is in her first language. Sweet, so we, we have to bring her on. I have to hear your mom doing her imitation of well, Donald. Well, she couldn't talk. She wasn't talking. She was trying to breathe. Oh, I see. It was just breathing aspect. Yeah. As opposed to- and she was like just saying oh, he was just fixing his tie the whole time. She, you, you have you'd have to have a translator with you when she talks about Donald Trump. She has a lot of opinions about Donald Trump. I'm sure most of them are in the negative side. Just my sense of things. <laughs> uh, your mom is an intelligent woman. She's not going to fall for that Donald Trump stuff. Uh, all right, uh, Ramana Hussein, thank you very much. Every Friday on our show, appreciate it. And stay safe and stay sound. And start watching Pose already, all right? Well, I'll try it. That's my next homework assignment. Yes, that's our homework. And it doesn't matter if Mick watches it, you watch it. I will. 
All right, very good. Thank you very much. Thank from Hussein, every Friday right here in the Ben Jarowski Show. D, you got any updates for me? Absolutely, I do. Uh, my favorite character on uh, Shit's Creek, well, two of them, uh, John Rose, Moira, Moira. I do that voice all the time. Moira. David. Laffy, that's good. Alexis. Wow, that's really good. Alexis. Alexis. Moira. That's really good. And my other favorite character. uh, My other favorite character is obviously uh, one of my favorite actors of all time, Chris Elliott, uh, playing Roland Shit. So. Yeah, <laughs> do your Chris Elliott imitation. That's not that good, really. Uh, hey, hey, Jenny Rose. Hey, Jenny Rose. <laughs> yeah, he's so annoying. He always annoys Eugene Levy. That's my favorite part. Where else? Johnny, of course. <laughs> Actually, now I find myself slipping into the dark. Oh, uh, of course. Oh, boy. It's, of course. It's okay. February 2020 all over again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, what you got for me, young man? First off, we want to remind everyone again to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interview Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning, available by 5 a.m. at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. A Cannabis Conversation with Lisa Solomon Mann and Michael Malcolm, political strategist Delmarie Cobb, and a mystery guest. By the way, Ben, has anyone called you back for an interview? Uh, hold on. Oh, hi, Phyllis. Oh, no. Yeah. Phyllis. Phyllis has called me. Philly, now stop it. In okay? Our, in our dreams. <laughs> you hippie commie. Now stop it, Phyllis. You commie hippie. Now, wait a minute. It's either hippie commie or commie hippie. You pot smoking weirdo. Okay, now, Phyllis. All right, I'm They're wa- going to take away my Medicare. I'm Phyllis, warming up no, to the Phyllis can- bit. I'm warming up to the Phyllis bit. <laughs> Hold on. I like tennis, but I don't like you. Now, Phyllis, it's not nice to play one against the other, okay? And that porta potty is so dirty, Phyllis. I like Ken Davis, but I don't like you. <laughs> Phyllis likes some of the guests. politicians. Me. They <laughs> promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes. Uh, you know, I'm my new imaginary friend, Phyllis. Phyllis is my friend, and she comes and talks to me from time to time. Uh, Phyllis only knew. If Phyllis only knew that we, uh, you know, are such big fans. All right, so yeah, go download those Benny J bonus interviews this weekend as soon as they become available, all right? You don't even have to listen to all of them, all right? Just, just click download. <laughs> Give us those numbers, baby. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Hey. Number. Here's an update. Uh, Ben, you remember the Eastern Bloc, don't you? Yes. Yeah, the group of downstate Illinois right-wingers who got together in an effort to kick Chicago out of Illinois. You remember them? Oh, yeah. Big Feller was part of that block. Yeah, well, good news. Good news. The Eastern Bloc is going on tour. A bus tour, that is. Yeah. Starting October 20th. Starting October 20th. State reps Chris Miller, Don Calkins, Blaine Wilhauer, Brad Halbrook. Oh, these guys sound so white. And the man I'm predicting will be our future 2022 Illinois Republican gubernatorial candidate, the Will County political hog farmer, DB, Darren Bailey, will begin their statewide bus tour to talk taxes, corruption, what's next for Illinois. And I'm sure if you ask him, tips on hog wrangling. <laughs> Wait, I think he's from uh, Will. He's definitely not from Will County. Isn't it Colby County? No, it is. It's Will. It's Will County, isn't it? No, it's no. not Will County. What county it's, is he from? I think that's been a long time since I did that county. I can see that crazy Craig. judge. 
is it Colby County? No, it's not it's, Colby County. Uh, but it's definitely not Will County. No, it's, it's Downstate not. County. I'm looking uh, it up but, now. Uh, hey, you can see this pre-show prep is really paying off. Uh, hold on, Dion. Look it up on my phone. Hold on. Here we go. All right. There we go. Do, do I uh, uh, Google Big Feller? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you don't Google Big Feller. All right. Darren Bailey. And a member of the house. Wait, no. Xenia's the town. Oh, Jesus. Uh, come on, man. Come on, man. Here we go. And uh, so here we go. Here are the different counties it could be. Edwards, Jasper, Richland, Wabash, Wayne. No, it's none of these. It's like, this is a, like a bizarre episode of the Twilight Zone. His county has disappeared. Hold on. I'll look at the town. He's from Xenia. And hold on. Here we go, D. Uh, Clay County. That's it. Clay County. Damn. I knew it was a C. Shout out, right, to, shout out to Jim. This whole thing didn't happen. I mean, we can't. It's recording. Uh, oh. Shout out to Jim, and we're live. Uh, on the live stream chat, Clay County. He got it before any of us did. Thank you very much, Jim. We had a little uh, brain fart there. But, hey, these guys are going on tour, all right? Uh, the tour begins in Metropolis, Illinois, with additional stops to Marion and Mount Vernon, Illinois. It goes until October 24th. And surprisingly, no, there will be no stops to Chicago. I wonder hmm. why. Will they be wearing masks? Uh, I mean, probably not. In the in the picture, they're not. And, and they're all going to be in a bus without a mask, right? Is that right? It's. I mean, how big I, is the bus? Does it show? I'm not it's a like part a of this bus? group, Ben. I don't know. <laughs> Ask me all these detailed questions. What kind of uh, what kind of bus is it, dude? I, I don't know. You know, it's like a Volkswagen Beetle bus, that kind of bus, or is it a Greyhound bus? I, have, I need to know. I have no clue what bus <laughs> it is, but uh, they're going to be going on tour, Ben. We got to uh, we got to go check them out, huh? Yes. Come on and join our convoy. Ain't it a beautiful sight? These speakers are nuts. They're nuts. Hold on. Phyllis. Yes, Phyllis, stop calling me now. It's getting ridiculous, okay? You're calling me day and night. Oh, you're mean to you're mean to big boy. I love big boy. All right, you like big boy. DB, I love him. All right, Phyllis, gotta go. Sorry, dude. Phyllis, I should never have given her my number. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's sending me memes now. Well, give her my number. Oh. I'd like to talk to Phil. She sounds like a nice lady. All Phil right, Ben. She's my friend, okay? She's my imaginary Oh, friend. yeah. You just told her you're getting sick of talking to her. What a friend you are. All right, Ben. While you were talking to Ramana Hussein, I cleaned the car out, all right? And, boy, you were right. Those socks I left in there reeked. But don't worry. I sprayed some Febreze. It's time to take a little road trip. Ben, you have your mask, right? Mm-hmm. Hold on. Got it on. All right. You have your hand sanitizer? Uh, yep, splashing it on. All right, great. Get in the car. All right, we're in the car. It's time to learn a little bit about the guys and gals running in our 2020 Illinois general election. Mm. It's time to meet the candidates. Put your seatbelt on. Whoa, we're getting crazy. Holy cow. Meet the candidates. All right, we're here. <laughs> All right. Today we're at the southern tip of Illinois in the counties of Jefferson, Perry, Franklin, Williamson, Union, Alexander, Pulaski, Jackson, Randolph, Monroe, and St. Clair, along with a part of Madison County, Ben Jarofsky. We're in the 12th Congressional District, and we're here to meet incumbent Republican Mike Boast and his Democratic challenger, Ray Lindsay. First up, the incumbent. Now, we just learned that incumbent Mike Boast just tested positive for COVID-19, so please keep your distance, Ben. 
six feet. Let's go ahead and give it a 12 feet distance here. <laughs> According to his website, Representative Mike Boast is proud to represent the 12 counties of Illinois' 12th district in the U.S. House of Representatives. Sworn into office on January 6th, 2015, Mike is continuing the fight for our Southern Illinois values in Washington, a fight he began in U.S. military, then as a first responder, a local job creator, and a state representative. Here are both uh, thoughts on healthcare. He has an issues page. I picked healthcare. Uh, here's both on healthcare. Far too many Americans have trouble affording and accessing quality care. Others struggle with escalating health insurance premiums and other costs that impose economic hardships they cannot afford. Unfortunately, Obamacare failed to address these challenges and in many ways made them worse. For example, Obamacare imposes substantial new taxes and other government dictates on American workers and small businesses, which hurts affordability and job creation. Obamacare empowers a board of unelected bureaucrats to make health care decisions best left to patients and doctors. Obamacare has caused millions of Americans to lose their health insurance plans and then force them to buy policies that cost more and do less. Obamacare cuts $700 billion in funding for Medicare, jeopardizing care for seniors while adding hundreds of billions of dollars to the deficit and debt, among other problems. Now, Ben, your thoughts? Uh, totally made up. I don't know who uh, fabricated more uh, misinformation, uh, Mike Post or uh, Phyllis, when her uh, critique of the fair tax yeah, so this is, you know, this is, it irritates me. I got to tell you. So this is a district D, uh, that could go either way. It has, in the past, there have been a Democratic uh, congressman from the 12th Congressional. Uh, and uh, you could, it could go Democrat again, but it's, uh, Bose took over in, what was it, 2014, I think he first won election. He's been there ever since. Uh, so you would like to think that the kind of Republican in a district that could go Democrat would lean a little more toward the Democratic aisle. Instead, he's just repeating talking points about Obamacare. Just absolute lunacy. And uh, and has nothing to replace it, which, of course, is the biggest travesty. They want to destroy it just because they despise Barack Obama. So that's my problem right there in, with, with Republicans. Here you have a district, it, no Democrat in a district that could go Republican would dare to go so left. That's one of the many differences between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats always move to the right. You watch Kamala Harris on the debate on, uh, what was it, Wednesday? Moving right. Oh, oh we're, we, we have no problem with fracking. Oh, we're not for Medicare for all. Uh, and then she wouldn't even answer the pack the court question. So that's how Democrats do it. They move right. Republicans just just move right themselves. They feel no need to accommodate to Democrats. So that, you know, more garbage from uh, the Republicans about Obamacare, totally just making stuff up as they go along. D. All right. And uh, we have one piece of audio here to play from Mike Boast. This audio uh, is, was published in 2012. It says here during Illinois House debate on pension reform, yes. State Representative Mike Boast, oh, he's of Carbondale, uh, bl blew his stack over getting bills at yes. the last second and over the power concentrated in House Speaker Mike Madigan's hands. Yes. Yes. Can I uh, let me just do I sent this to Dennis. 
uh, when he told me we were going to take a trip down to uh, the 12th. And D, we weren't doing the show back then. I don't even think I knew you back then. No. But this was a big deal. I remember when this broke. Uh, Mike Boast as state rep. You know, folks, when you hear this, you may remember this. Uh, so it was one of these. I kind of had a kind of was like on his side a little bit. Uh, he was one of he blew his stack. It was a pension plan. This is during the time when Pat Quinn was the governor. He hadn't had a chance to read it. He lost his mind. He threw the paper in the air, uh, and it was a big deal. And so D, play it, uh, uh, Dennis. Uh, could you play a boast, please? Total power in one person's hands, not the American Holy way. Holy crap! These damn bills that come out here all the damn time. Come out here in the last second, and I gotta try to figure out how to vote for my people! How ashamed of you! You should be ashamed of yourselves! I'm sick of it! Every year! We give power to one person! It was not made that way in the Constitution! He was around when it was written! <laughs> now we give him. We passed rules that stop each one of us! Enough! Feel like somebody trying to be released from Egypt. Let my people go! My God, they sent me here to vote for them! They sent me here to vote for them, to argue for them! But I'm trapped. I'm trapped with my rules that have been forced down our throats. Folks, we live in a democracy, but not here. But not here. So you go back and you tell your people, I'd like to do that, but the speaker has so much power, so much control, and each one of us do it in their districts. And have to go back and say that. And you can say on your side of the aisle, oh, no, no, that's not the case. Yes, you do. All of us know you got to deal with it. When's it going to stop? I like Mike <laughs> Boast. I'm going to say it. I don't care. That was, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, I uh, like Mike Post. There goes that Democratic career. Uh, and uh, by the way, Mike, where was that outrage with the tax bill that you voted for? I'm sure you didn't have any opportunity to read the tax bill, the 2017 tax bill. He was talking about a pension bill uh, that was produced during the Pat Quinn era. And he was in really <laughs> Post, you wouldn't last a day in the city council. I'm just saying that, man. You got to be of sterner stuff in Chicago. Mayor Daly's like, hey, we're going to sell the parking meters for, uh, they're worth a $10 billion. We're going to sell them for a billion. You have one day to read the bill. Ah, blah. And Richard Mell is like, ah, nobody reads this stuff anyway. Just vote for it. <laughs> Post me like, um, no, I want to read the bill. That was <laughs> Shut awesome. Up, Post. <laughs> yeah, so he got really mad. And you, you couldn't see it, folks, but go check it out. He throws the papers oh, in the air. flying everywhere. And- yeah, and the papers are flying. He's all red in the face, big feller. And uh, and the guy, there's like the guy. My favorite is the guy behind him, Dave. I've noticed that guy's like, whoa, whoa, Mount of Boast blowing its stack, volcano Boast. Yeah, that was so, awesome. Uh, oh, and by the way, I've worked with you for about three years. Uh, my Democratic career was scorched a long time ago, pal. No, I feel for you, man. 
All right, now to uh, boast Democratic challenger Ray Lindsay. According to his website, Ray Lindsay was born to first-generation Italian immigrant son of an Italian coal miner and farmer and a mother whose roots go back to Plymouth Rock, uh, where ancestors arrived first in 1635. Uh, Lindsay grew up with a happy childhood in a small town playing sports and hunting and fishing. He liked school. (laughs) He liked school. And playing football, basketball, and baseball. And Ray Lindsay, he may have my vote if I lived in this uh, district, he was voted prom king. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, in the last election, uh, I believe the gentleman's name was Brendan Kelly. The, I remember people saying, hey, Brendan Kelly could win. Brendan Kelly could win. Uh, and he didn't. I think it was the vote was something like 52 percent uh, for um, uh, Boast. Yeah, so the Democrats fell short there. I like this guy, Lindsey. Not only is he prom king, <laughs> yeah, I mean. uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but I, I was reading his position papers. I actually read his position papers, D. And he, he's, to me, he's like a Bob Diver Democrat. Uh, he's a progressive. He uh, is a big union guy. He's got roots in the union. And uh, well, this, when I was reading his papers, I was reminded of Bob Diver. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bob Diver, as is Dennis. Uh, only one of us gets to claim that we voted for Diver. It's one of my great regrets in life that I didn't vote for Bob Diver, but downstate Democrats who espouse progressive positions on issues like helping people, uh, using government to help people with health care and education uh, and supporting union rights. I really appreciate them because it's courageous when they take a stand like that in an area where there's so many Trump supporters, where they attack you as being a communist if you believe in unions. Or if you believe, you know, uh, in funding schools or if you believe in wearing a mask. So uh, I have respect for Ray Lindsay. We should get him on the show. I should reach out to the guy and yeah. see if he can come on the show. He just sounds, he reminded me, I was reading his, uh, his papers, things he stands for, his response to various newspapers. Like, oh, this reminds me of Bob Diver. Downstate Democrat got what? What do you get to 2% of the vote? Is that yeah. the Democratic Party 2018? So, uh, yeah, boast, look, boast, I wish you had stood up. If you had stood up the house of representatives in 2017 with that enormous tax bill that Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell shoved out everybody's throat at the last minute, no one had time to read it and thrown it in the air and said, I'm sick and tired of this Mitch McConnell telling us what to do. I would be applauding you, but when it's selective, when you're only mad at tyrants who are Democrats as opposed to tyrants who are Republicans, you lose some credibility. So, Mike Post. All right, there was Mike Post, Ray Lindsay, our uh, race in the 12th Congressional District. And that was Meet the Candidates. All right, Ben, get back in the car. I got to make dinner. We got to go. We're running late. That was Meet the Candidates. Oh, my God. Meet the Candidates. and. <laughs> All right, we're back in Chicago. A little shout out to Vilma in the uh, sound production department. Once again, outstanding job. And uh, Billy Ray, uh, also in the sound production department, he did a great editing job. And uh, I want to sing Clarine in our editing staff. All those are fake names. It's me, WBEZ. It's me. I did that. I did all of that. (laughs) Call me back. Hold on. 
Hi, Phyllis. Oh, Stop so calling me, okay? I kind of like you. You're a hippie freak, but I still like you. All right, Phyllis. Hang on. Phyllis, all right, after really? the show, we got to talk about the Phyllis bit. All right, we got to work out the kinks in the Phyllis bit. <laughs> Phyllis has been calling me nonstop, D. I don't know what to do anymore. I think I have to change my number. They go get a new phone. By the way, this cell phone's not working anyway. That's a whole other story. Oh, dude. boy. Find us on social media, everybody, at Benny J Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Leave us a message. If you'd like us to read it on the program, leave your name and where you're from. You can make it up. We won't know the difference, but it just sounds good on a podcast. And you can call us 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Eight, and that is this week's Ben Jarofsky shows. Uh, D, I just want to say that this story is actually breaking as I speak. New York Times update. President Trump, I'm not making this up, is said to be planning to host hundreds on the White House lawn tomorrow. Tomorrow being Saturday. In his first in-person event since his illness became public. He's doubling down. Uh, anyway, and the event will be honoring Phyllis. They're honoring Phyllis at the White House. No, that part is Springfield made politicians. They promise they won't tax retirement income if their uh, constitutional amendment passes. Okay. Oh, yes. Anyway, uh, I want to thank Ramana Hussein. Uh, she comes on the show every Friday, does an outstanding job. But of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Phyllis will tell you, back home and on, they call him Dr. Doobie. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a good weekend, everybody. so much control that each one of us do in their districts and have to go back and say that and you can say on your side of the aisle oh no no that's not the case but yes you do all of us know you got to deal with when's it going to stop